Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. This is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You worked for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, done a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. All right, America, this is Rich Valdez. We're talking about capitalism. We're talking about socialism. We're talking about impeachment. We're talking about facts. And I love to talk about facts because, again, I rely on justfacts.com, justfacts.com, F-A-C-T-S. And you can always go to justfacts.com slash rich to get your facts. But there's a really cool piece on justfacts.com that talks about how Americans make up the 20% of the richest people in the world compared to other European nations, etc. And I'm butchering that because you've got to read it to really get everything out of it. But it's terrific. It's a really good piece and you should check it out because it goes to show that our system of capitalism really makes a difference. It allows us to have the opportunity to choose our own path. And people always ask me, you know, where do you get these facts? And I tell them, I get them from justfacts.com, F-A-C-T-S, justfacts.com slash rich, because this is a time of dire need for truth here in America. Our national dialogue is riddled with fake news and fake facts. And unfortunately, a lot of people who oversee our political and educational systems just don't get the facts right. So what can you do? Like I said, go to justfacts.com, justfacts.com slash rich. Now, as I sit here, 17 floors above Madison Square Garden here in New York City, we're looking at headlines. CNN is canceling their town hall. Why? To put more pressure on this impeachment sham, which we talked about in the podcast that precedes this one. Then there's a Trump rally coming on the 28th, which is going to destroy their ratings. Nobody's going to be paying attention to impeachment when the president actually has something to say for an hour and a half. And it's going to be in Jersey, which is going to be terrific. And then two days after that, it's the Latinos for Liberty 2020 town hall where I'm going to be joining folks from the Lexit movement and folks from the Republican National Hispanic Assembly for a Hispanic town hall. And we're going to talk about why Hispanics are trending towards voting for Donald Trump in mass numbers bigger than we've seen before. So you can catch that as a live stream on WABCRadio.com. Don't miss that. Put it on your calendar for the 30th of January. Now, socialism is not good for our economy, and capitalism is what currently fuels our economy. Our economy is trending upward, and I find it interesting that I uh, put a word of encouragement on one of the president's tweets earlier, and whenever I do that, I always get a lot of heat. I take heat. I get some hate. It's interesting. So I just put, you know, keep the pressure with the tariffs on, something to that effect. It's working out as the president just signed a new trade deal with China. One of my detractors decides to write and say, name one single policy that's helping the president improve the economy. One thing that he's done. And the first thing that comes to my head is the 
Tax Cut and Jobs Act of 2017. To me, that's the most obvious. It seems people don't have a really strong grasp of either what's going on in Washington or B, what income is, what inequality is, what the economy is, what capitalism is. Now, I'm not saying everybody doesn't get it, but I think a lot of the the folks that are, uh, again, dissenters or detractors of the president, I think they choose to look past the facts. And I always rely on facts that are primary source, and that's why I use JustFacts.com. And I'm looking at their website now, and there's a piece that they have on income. And it literally lays everything out, you know, citing that income's a flow of purchasing power from earnings, from labor, capital, sources that you get over a period of a year. You know, whether it's wages, salary, commissions, bonuses, self-employment, etc. Income allows all of us to satisfy our, our daily our monthly, our annual, the needs that we have to live our lives. So it's important that we use the same definition, right? Now, in looking at a list of accomplishments when it comes to income, the president's pro-growth policies have resulted in our gross domestic product going up. Now, is it at the three to four that it was earlier on? Perhaps not. Is it stronger than it was in the past? Hell yeah. And that's critical. It's important that we have that type of growth. Now, some might want to argue and say, well, we're not really having growth. It was better in 2018 than it was in 2019. That is debatable. But the problem with a debate like that is that while you're arguing one specific part of the economy overall, there are other parts that are going off the charts. I mean, obviously, you've heard it time and again that unemployment rates for African-Americans are at the lowest ever. Asians the lowest ever Hispanic American unemployment rates have reached record lows. That means employment is at record highs. Under President Trump's tenure, job openings have outnumbered the unemployed for the first time ever. That's a big one. Consumer confidence is up to an 18-year high. And of course, what I just mentioned, the president signed the Tax Cuts and Job Act of 2017 into law That's brought in the largest package of tax cuts at the the federal level and reforms that we've ever had in American history. And and there's others that go with that. I mean, he's rolled back red tape, negotiated better deals, put a lot of pressure on our enemies. With that being said, income has gone up, in particular, household income. Now, when we're talking about household income, I think it's important to know that that figure's gone from whatever it was a couple of years ago in the several hundred dollar range to around $6,000 increase. So you're talking about a $6,000 increase in household incomes. That's a really big number. Biggest one I've ever heard since I've been looking at this stuff. I was looking at an article earlier. It's an older article, but it's focused on facts. Written by Thomas Sowell. And Sowell is a great economist. And some of the things he points out is that household income statistics can be somewhat murky if you compare annual household income of a family of four to annual household income for a family of six. Obviously, those are apples and oranges. So you got to figure out what you're comparing. But once you've got it nailed, you know, you nail down what you want to talk about, we know exactly what we're talking about. Under Trump, again, household incomes are up $6,000, $5,000 and change, 2000 of which are coming directly from those Trump tax cuts. So I want to know what you guys think when 
we're going into this impeachment territory. Everybody wants to say bad things about Trump, but yet there's all of this interesting financial news. Larry Kudlow is saying that there's going to be a tax cut 2.0. That's exciting to me. You're listening to This Is America. I'm Rich Valdez. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. This is America. Democrats are going to gather here in Miami tomorrow night to begin to make their case to the American people. I mean, they're going to take they're going to take to the stage. They're going to take to this after a season where President Trump has been cutting taxes, rolling back red tape, giving the American people more freedom, more prosperity. They're actually going to take to the stage and advocate more taxes, more regulation, something called Medicare for all and the Green New Deal. Tomorrow night, many of their leading candidates and the night after that are actually going to openly advocate for an economic system that has impoverished millions around the world. Now, Latino Americans know better than most about the cost of socialism. It's impoverished generations. It's stolen the liberty of millions. I know that for many of you in this room, many of your families fled socialist regimes in this hemisphere. And you came to freedom in America. And so here at this kickoff of Latinos for Trump, we must say, as the president said in his State of the Union address, America will never be a socialist country. With President Donald Trump back in the White House for four more years and with God's help, we will make America safer than ever before. We will make America more prosperous than ever before. And with President Donald Trump in the White House for four more years, we will keep making America great again. So that was Vice President Mike Pence at the launch of Latinos for Trump. Uh, the Latinos for Trump was a coalition they started this summer back in August. And they launched this for the express purpose of getting folks from the Hispanic community to rally around the president. Everything he said, I think, is kind of what I just mentioned. And that was over the summer. This trend continues upward. But yet people don't believe it. Now, earlier this week, I was on Newsmax TV and we were having a discussion about the Democrat debates that were going on earlier this week. And for whatever reason, my adversary decided to bring up the fact that they went from the most diverse I guess racially diverse is what she meant to say, but diverse cadre of candidates to an all white stage. And I thought to myself, what does that have to do with anything <laughs> with respect to the policies they were talking about? But it makes me realize that the Democrats have such reliance or have become so reliant on this 
intersectionality of identity politics. And they really want to drive this home. And that's why in jest, or I should say tongue-in-cheek, I said, I'm the brown guy and you guys are the listeners. Because that was what the debate came down to. And if you want to check that out, you can always check it out on my Twitter. It's on my Twitter page. That is at Rich Valdez, at Rich Valdez with an S. But I want to talk about a story uh, that I, I have in the back of my mind about a friend of mine. He's from Ecuador, and he's a Republican. I'd say a very moderate Republican. And we were at an event and went to, for a bite afterwards. And we were having a discussion about the economy. And, you know, he put a lot of stock in his associate degree in economics and looks at me and says, hey, look, Rich, I know you know politics, but do you have a degree in economics? And I said, no, I don't. <laughs> and he says, well, I do. I have a two-year degree in economics, and I've got to tell you, the number one indicator, economic indicator that we have to rely on as a people is new home construction and new home sales because when people are really making money, they buy homes, they buy houses. And I'm thinking to myself, well, it's logical, but not everybody's making that move. I myself, I've, I've owned a couple of properties. I've sold them both. There's different times, I think, where you want to make those moves based on the market. However, all that being said, we have this this conversation, and he was saying that you know it was flat, that there was stagnation in home sales and there was stagnation in home construction. Now, this was a few months back. Lo and behold, on the 18th of January, we have the numbers. I'm looking at uh, marketwatch.com. Builders started construction on new homes in the United States at a pace of 1.61 million in December. This was reported by the Commerce Department yesterday. This is a 13-year high. This represents a 17% increase, excuse me, increase from a revised 1.38 million in November. That's 41% higher than this same time last year. They went this article goes on to say that building permits for privately owned homes were authorized at a seasonally adjusted rate of 1.42 million. And that's 4% below the revised pace of 1.47. This is kind of boring right here. But what gets really interesting here is that housing stats have increased both for single family, which are up 11%, and multifamily structures are up by 32%, which is a 33-year high. In 33 years, we have not seen these types of stats for these types of structures being built. So what I want to know is, can we hide behind identity politics when we're staring at numbers, cold hard facts, right in our faces. You're listening to This Is America. I'm Rich Valdez. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. This is America. I'm supposed to talk right now, but I'm feeling the beat. All right, big shout to Tupac. Rest in peace or... Have fun in Cuba, wherever you at. Before the break, I told you that I had a buddy of mine that 
I, you know, I met, I, I grew up in Brooklyn. My parents are Puerto Rican. They came from Puerto Rico. We, we were in Brooklyn and the, around 12 years old, we moved to Jersey. That's where I, you know, started um, messing around, playing with designs, with hair clippers, drawing images in people's hair. And eventually went to the Votex school where I studied cosmetology to become a barber and opened a barbershop. Now, that's part of the reason I'm a conservative today because I got into business at a really young age. I did it at 16 years old. Doing that and having to pay taxes at the self-employment rate will definitely push you into the world of conservatism quick, fast, and in a hurry. So I had lots of friends, and I still do. And many of them gone in different directions. One of my friends chose a life of crime. And I hadn't seen him in a long time. And about a year ago, uh, he told me he was a repentant uh, drug dealer, X, Y, and Z. And he was getting into new things, uh, auto sales, things of that nature. And I said, good for you. We met up for lunch. And I wished him the best. Hadn't heard from him in a while. And he called me about a month ago. And he tells me, hey, I got arrested. The federal, the FBI got me on some drug charges. It's really crazy. And again, I just said, you know, I'm glad you called me. And I'm kind of used to that. I served as a police chaplain for the Newark Police Department. And so I've been to like Essex County Jail and I've prayed with people that were arrested. And it's I'm not a stranger to, to being with people that are incarcerated and trying to give them some good advice so they can get their life back on track. So it didn't come as a surprise to me that he gave me a call because a lot of times when people are trying to change their lives around, that's what they do. So I don't want to belabor that point, but I want to set the stage because uh, a good friend of mine calls me up. Well, again, was a good friend of mine growing up. I haven't seen him much lately, but he calls me uh, a few nights ago, right after we were done working. I was stepping out of the control room. I get to my desk and I hear the phone ring and he's like, yo, and he calls me by my childhood nickname, which is Fader, because I used to give fades. And he's like, yo, Fader. And I'm like, hey, what's up, man? And he's like, yo, I'm out of jail. And I was like, oh, good for you, brother. You know, congrats. God bless. He tells me, yo, check this out. When I was in, all I could think about was that time we went to lunch. And I was like, what about? And it's interesting because this lunch that we had, I actually described, I think, in the second or third episode of This Is America, which is found right here at WABCRadio.com under podcasts. And we, what we talked about was how he had been indoctrinated by MSNBC. And he was like, yo, all I do is watch MSNBC. Yo, your guy Trump, your guy Trump is going down, bro, because your guy Trump is a crook, son. And I was like, all right, no problem. All good. So, you know, it was an interesting exchange that we had. He tells me, yo, 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 you were right. Yo, your guy Trump, yo, he's a G, son. He's a G for real. I was like, oh, really? Why? Tell me more about that. He says, yo, in jail, when he took out that dude, General Salami, in Iran, yo, he said every thug, every gang member, everybody was like, yo, Trump is for real. And he he passed this thing. He made a law where people, if they ain't killing people, they get out of jail. I was like, oh, you mean the First Step Act? He was like, yeah. I was like, yeah, that's a criminal justice uh, jail reform. And he's like, yo, they got mad love for Trump in the jail. I was like, wow, that's interesting. Because in other news, Governor Phil Murphy signed a law, uh, signed a bill into law in New Jersey, allowing inmates to vote, as best I understood it. So I'm thinking, if this is true... And this kid was in jail, you know, waiting for federal time or whatever it was. This may blow up in Phil Murphy's face, right? He may be saying, hey, I'm the guy. I'm allowing criminals to vote. 
And they may turn around and say, yo, yo, Trump's a G. We vote for Trump. So I find that really interesting. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-WABC. But the real point of that story was to say, do the Democrats have a problem with Latinos? Is there a problem with Hispanic American, or I should say Americans of Hispanic heritage, voting for Republicans? Are they losing their grip? Oftentimes, people argue and say, you know, it's a good economy, it's a bad economy. I I do agree with the Raging Cajun when he said, it's the economy, stupid. I agree with that. I think most people are in the middle. They don't care who's a Republican or who's a Democrat. They care who's helping them to live their life the best way possible. And the best way that you can live your best life clearly is when you take more vacations, when you send in that extra car payment, you throw in that extra mortgage payment, try to finish paying off the house sooner, clear off a credit card, buy an extra gift, whatever it is. People enjoy life more when there's more money. You get to do more stuff. For me, more palm trees. So that being said, I read this article in The Atlantic. And I want to give you a little bit of it because it's really interesting. It's designed to be like an admonition or an admonishment from Democrats to other Democrats. But I look at it and I say it's really kudos from Democrats to the Republicans. Check this out. It says Democrats should be worried about the Latino vote. The first warning sign of the new year came three days into 2020. Speaking at a rally of conservative evangelicals in South Florida, President Donald Trump riffed on the targeted killing of of Iran's General Qasem Soleimani before thousands that were assembled in the King Jesus International Ministry megachurch. That's just outside of Miami. Now that night, the president captured headlines for declaring that God is on our side. And he accused Democrats of disloyalty for not supporting his airstrike. But one person, Domingo Garcia, the national president of the League of United Latin American Citizens, what headlines and Democrats have missed, this is what he says, what headlines and Democrats have missed was the significance of the rally's location. It was in America's largest Hispanic megachurch. This is important because... Faith and hard work are key, key parts of most Hispanics' lives. That's a big part of Hispanic culture. The article goes on to say, and they're quoting now uh, Mr. Garcia, that should be a serious red flag to Democrats. Trump's outreach to conservative Latinos in the South serves as a warning sign for deeper concerns that several Latino leaders and political activists have shared. They're all dissatisfied with the level of engagement that they're seeing from the Democratic primary contenders. And they're not getting the same recognition. And it's because of poor strategizing by those candidates. This is turning out poor yields with Hispanic voters since 2016. So now by all demographic counts, 2020 should be the year that Latinos make a decisive mark on national politics because they're now the largest minority in the country. Their support should be able to swing primary races in early voting states like Super Tuesday states for the uh, Democratic nomination. And it could tip the scales in the general election if they turn out to vote in the same record-breaking numbers they did in the 2018 midterms. But here's uh, the rub. Some of the organizers that the author of the article 
some of the organizers that he spoke with, and this is written by Jose de Jesus Esparza. Some of the people that he connected with said that so far, looking at the 2020 election cycle, it looks like a master class in, quote, political malpractice. And I thought that was fascinating because this is the Democrats criticizing themselves. They're saying, no bueno. This is bad news. You're losing Hispanics. Latinos are jumping ship from the Democratic Party, jumping on the Trump train. Why? He's saying it's because the Democrats aren't doing a good enough job keeping them on the plantation. I say Trump's doing an excellent job eliminating red tape so that more people can make more money. And when you have more money, you're happier. And when you're happier, you do more stuff. And when you do more stuff, you realize, you know what? Why am I doing more stuff? This guy in office is good for me. He's good for my pocket. I'm voting for him. That's my thought. Now, the article also, it quotes several other people. I'm not going to bore you with all the details. But they talk to one of Bernie Sanders' people who harps on the fact that Sanders is going hard in Hispanic communities. And that's fantastic. Sanders' aides aside, the organizers that the author of the article spoke with said that the first signs of trouble in this 2020 campaign season were clear during the first two nights of the Democratic debate back in June, where several candidates broke into Spanish during their back-to-back performances. And obviously they faced uh, immediate criticism for what they called hispandering, pandering to Hispanics. But perhaps even more concerning was the organizers feeling that the candidates were focusing solely on immigration when they spoke about, quote, Latino issues. Now, this is something I argue as well. I think illegal immigration is a problem for all Americans. It's not an issue of Latinos. It's an issue of illegal immigration. I think irrespective of where you come from, that's going to be an issue that you should have an opinion on. Either, hey, let everybody in, or B, don't let everybody in because it undercuts wages, it's unsafe, and it's a national uh, security issue. Again, all that aside... The point here is when you do that, you create a situation where people start to look at things through the lens of racism, just like my Newsmax story earlier when I was on with uh, John Tobacco on Liquid Lunch. That is not how we live our lives. When I'm in the studio doing a live broadcast, there's two producers across from me. I don't say the brown ones. In this case, one is Mexican, the other one's Afro-Latino, black Puerto Rican. So yeah, this is very racially diverse, or maybe not, right? You got two, two Puerto Ricans and a Mexican running the show here. My point is, I don't look and say, oh, let me get my producer. He's brown. Let me get my, 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 my call producer. She's brown. No, I, I don't think that way, and I don't think anybody does. I think people look at people for who they are, not what they are or where they're coming from. I always say that if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything, and I mean that. Because it's these age-old quotes to me that oftentimes undergird what we really, really believe. Another one that always gets me is Edmund Burke, right? So Edmund Burke said that the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you to do nothing. So don't do nothing. Do something. Rise up intellectually. Rise up politically. Get active. Do what you need to do because no one else is going to do it but you. Keep that in mind. And of course, I thank each and every one of you. If it wasn't for each and every one of you that actually takes the time to listen to these podcasts straight to the end, 
download them and share them with your friends, we wouldn't be seeing the results that we're seeing. And we're seeing terrific results. So I have no one to thank but the listeners and, of course, our amazing producer, Rich Cementa, Mr. Producer, and lots of mentors and people that have helped me along the way because this is a labor of love for me, but it's really something that is growing and there's a lot of people involved in it. So I just want to thank all of them and thank all of you for subscribing and listening to all of the past episodes from episode one because it is a series and I do refer to previous episodes and I'm telling a really big, big story here. So we're 94 episodes, 95 episodes in, we're getting close to that 100th episode and I'm looking forward to um, celebrating that with each and every one of you. Until the next time, America, I'm Rich Valdez, at Rich Valdez on Twitter. This is America. This is America. 